yours and either welcome or welcome back to At Least There's a Dog, a Star Trek Enterprise review podcast in which we will boldly go episode by episode through the Star Trek series that, whatever its flaws, undeniably has the most dog. We are your hosts, Mandy and Josh, and on tonight's show, we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 22, The Council. Dang, that was good. Yeah, we're back. Yeah, we are. We had one little stupid time travel hiccup, and now we are back. Been, it, it's all been coming down to this. I don't like, know. I don't know if, like, there's there's more that it's all coming down to. Well, yeah, but, like, think about it, like... The very first shot of the first episode of the third season was, was the, the council. Yeah, and it was. that was this was like some far off place, so foreign we'd never see it. And why are all these aliens here talking? And now we know them all, and we're there. This is like when um, Tyrion Lannister finally really meets do. Daenerys Targaryen. Except not stupid. I mean, in the books. Oh, okay. It hasn't happened yet in the books, but I assume it'll be cool like this <laughs> this episode. Uh, you assume there will be books. <laughs> but this is not a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. Nope. This is about a show that did actually end, but not yet. I mean, it, it ended in the past. But this but... is an arc that is quickly coming to an end, because yeah. there ain't a whole lot left for them to do except uh, destroy the giant space nuke that's heading for Earth. There's also probably some diplomacy, but... Uh... Yeah... Good stuff, though. Really good stuff. I was not disappointed. No, I think, uh, like, the the last episode probably lowered my expectations for this one a little bit, but they were they were exceeded quite. They were exceeded a lot. Like Enterprise got good. Dang. Yeah, I mean they, like I said, they've been building up to this, and it's it's almost like they had a rough idea of where they were going. So it's like. Season one of Enterprise was trying really hard to be the original series. Yes. And season two of Enterprise was trying really hard to be like the first season of Next Generation, which is a bad thing to try to be, which is why yes. season two of Enterprise was relatively weak. And season three of Enterprise has really kind of been its own thing. And it took us a while to get to the part where it got good, but we have arrived. Mm-hmm. They should stay here. I hope they do. For the rest of the show. Should I tell the people what the episode was about? Sure. All right. So this was The Council. Nice straightforward name. No E squared this time. (laughs) After much struggle and time travel, Archer and company are finally ready to go present their evidence in Zindi Court. In their corner are Degra, Tucker Smallwood, and... Janar, is that his name? Sure, we'll yeah, go with that. Yeah, we talked about this last yes. episode. Convinced that the Zindi have been manipulated by the Vorlons, I mean the Founders, I mean the Cylons. Oh, I mean, okay, oh okay, dear. They're, okay, they're called the Guardians, apparently. And they want to get out of Cleveland, so they're warping space with those Death Star things in the Expanse so that they can live in our galaxy and nobody else can. Is that, is that what the... Um... That uh, terrible, like, chili stuff is? No, that's Cincinnati. That's Cincinnati. I don't know. It's Ohio. Cleveland has... I don't know what Cleveland has. Apparently, Cleveland has strange warped space that is inhospitable to humans. Apparently. I don't understand. I'm sorry, Cleveland residents. Maybe that's why the Browns 
don't win very often. <laughs> I don't understand where this analogy came from, but let's keep going. <laughs> the Cleveland Guardians. That's their new name, remember? Oh, that's... That's where it came... Oh, I thought yeah. you were just saying that Cleveland was like a a climate that had space-time anomalies that were inhospitable to humans. I mean, I wasn't trying to. Sorry, listeners from Cleveland. <laughs> I was just making a joke about their baseball team, but we'll roll with it. Okay. I bet they have beautiful mountains, just like Detroit. I'm sure. Anyway, speaking of those Death Star things, Paul Reed, Mayweather, and a redshirt Mako are off to one of those Death Star things to gather some evidence which Archer and Hoshi, uh, while Arthur and Hoshi, take their cause for delay, or their case, I can't read my own handwriting, their case for delaying the launch of the Planet Killer to the full council. But alas, the reptilian and insectoid Zindi secretly deeply resent their countrymen who don't have to come in for the 2 a.m. makeup call. And they're working with the Guardians to ensure that some way or another, that weapon is getting launched on time. Will the NX-01 sway the Zindi to their side? Will the weapons launched be stopped? Is I've stood before a Klingon tribunal really that good of a flex when the result of that Klingon tribunal was you getting sentenced to life in the styrofoam mines of Urapente? <laughs> the star of the show, Porthos, should have also gone to present evidence to the Zindi Council. I think that Porthos could have made a very convincing case. Yeah. A puppy. Look at this puppy. Exactly. You were talking about destroying the home planet of this good puppy. Yeah, see? Can't argue with that. No, that would have been a really good plan. Mm-hmm. Although there's the risk that Porthos would pee on someone. Yeah, but maybe maybe they're all right with that. I have a feeling that these indie aquatics do not appreciate that sort of uh, thing. Yeah, but their tank looked like it was pretty airtight. I hope so. Or watertight, whatever it is. Yeah. Okay, I think that about summed up the episode. Yep. (laughs) With a digression on Cleveland. With a digression on Cleveland. That might be the episode title. Anyway, (laughs) do you have some trivia for me? I do. I decided to go ahead and stick with my wacky idea from last week. Okay, I don't remember what that was. Well, last week I talked about a couple of the Zindi Council members and who played them and... uh, Right, 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 yes. And I said, well, maybe next week I'll do a different council member. Okay. So let's talk about who played the Zindi Aquatics. Is it not just CG? It is, in fact, entirely just CG. Okay. (laughs) They were produced by a company called Eden FX. Okay. Uh, Eden FX was founded in 2000 by John Gross from Digital Muse and Mark Miller from Digital Magic. Those two companies had both worked on Star Trek before. But by the year 2000, had, were both kind of uh, on their way out for, for different reasons, um, which is why their two founders came together to found this other uh, company to, again, do special effects for Star Trek. Okay. You know, they specialized in CG stuff. They also got a bunch of uh, people coming from Foundation Imaging. Are you familiar with Foundation Imaging? It sounds familiar, but I don't know why. I know why. It's because Foundation Imaging did the special effects for the first three seasons of Babylon 5. Wait, really? Yeah. I thought that was... Uh... Netter Productions? Yeah. Uh, the Netter's company did the last two seasons. Oh, okay. 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 Cool. Um, and after Netter took over on the special effects, Foundation Imaging went and did some Star Trek stuff. Okay. Um, and they 
shut down after the first season of Enterprise. Ah. So uh, that left uh, Eden FX as the sole visual effects producer um, for the last three seasons of Enterprise. Okay, well, given, you know, the age, the aquatics indie don't look half bad. No, no, they don't. No, I think that they actually, they do quite a good job. They got a lot of good people from uh, a lot of good companies. They're using the technology well. Um, Eden FX was eventually swallowed up by another company and no longer exists. But, you know, that's how it goes. It does. That is how it goes. They and, did good work. Yeah. Um, while they did exist, they were located pretty darn close to the Paramount lot. So That is very convenient. Yep. That, that's all I got. Cool. Okay. A little bit on, on the Zindi. Yeah. Whom we will talk a great deal about. We will. In our pluses and minuses, I am sure. Mm-hmm. But um, first, but first, <laughs> speaking of pluses and minuses, <laughs> oh dear, um, it's time for Faith of the Start. You have no idea how how bad that transition is. Now, now, given now. where this is going. Now, 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 Faith of the Start is our opening segment in which we ask ourselves one simple question: on a scale of one to ten, how much did the theme song ruin the cold open? That was wacky. I just have a little glowing infinity written here. <laughs> you have a glowing infinity? Yes. Very interesting. <laughs> so on a scale of 1 to 10, you chose infinity. I, and I'm not making this up now. I wrote this down during the opening credits. Okay. I chose 2 plus 5i. I decided that it had to be expressed as a complex number <laughs> because it was just so like, what? So weird. <laughs> you didn't know that the cold open was just incredibly weird. It was all these ladies in founder makeup talking about how they 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 were in the darkest timeline or something no, like no, that. No, no, no. Did you say founder through? makeup because you're thinking about Deep Space Nine? Yes. Because it reminded you of the prophets in the wormhole? Or... Because it reminded you of the actual founders, or because it reminded, or because you're thinking of Guardians and just said the wrong word. No, I was thinking of the founders in DS9. Okay, I was thinking of the prophets in DS9. Oh, okay. <laughs> they were kind of like the the prophets and the founders had babies and put them in Enterprise. That's man. That would be scary. It would. That appears to be what happened. I am glad that we have a name for them other than the Sphere Builders now. Because that's a stupid name. Yeah, yeah, I was actually going to at some point ask if we could come up with a, a different thing to refer to them as. Because uh, maybe the Spheries. Um, the but Spheries. No, the uh, the Guardians. We can the do Guardians that. is fine. It has like the same kind of ring to it as the Founders. So... Okay. It works for me. So yeah, neither of us chose a finite real number, so that should tell you just how It was just like the cold open was so weird <laughs> and so trippy and so full of weird white techno fog. And then on comes, it's been a long road. I should learn how to play that chord on the guitar, just like, so I can, you know, contribute here hmm. someday maybe. maybe maybe not you'll have to tune your guitar first oh my goodness it's so out of tune it, it, it mm, and this microphone's gonna pick up how bad it is mm-hmm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, pluses and minuses pluses and minuses <laughs> okay uh, i have a lot of pluses i do too yeah i'll start the the 
weird sphere builder i call it a wormhole space argument because i'm thinking of the ds9 wormhole and the founders because it's like an all white background and just faces popping up and saying things to each other and you're not sure who's who and that was cool i liked it i i I guess i i just kind of stared at and that stared and then realized that the theme song was coming so i'm not sure i really had opinions on it but i'm glad you liked it yeah no it felt like, I don't know, it felt very good for some a species that lives outside of uh, normal space-time somewhere in Cleveland. Yeah. Fair enough. That's that's what Cleveland looks like. It's, it's very foggy, right? Yes. Um, had it not been interrupted by the theme song, it would have set the tone for the episode very nicely. Mm-hmm. But, alas, um, speaking of faith of the start, or not of the start... Um, I liked the brief conversation between Degra and the guardian lady. Oh, yes. About uh, when did we lose your faith? You never deserved my faith. It was good. They were they were doing the thing where, you know, they there was scenery and they chewed it. They chewed it so hard. They, they chewed it like it it was made of rubber and filled with peanut butter. Ah, you're thinking of the dog. I am thinking of the dog. Very good. <laughs> yeah, there was just, there was a lot of bile in that line. You never deserved my faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though, and we'll get to this in my minuses, even though that moment wasn't really earned, I was willing to, I'm I, I was willing to, I, yeah, I was willing to let it pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we were on the same page on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the scene where Archer was being taught about the history of the Guardians and the Zindi by Degra. Yeah. Like, that was cool. That was really interesting. And that really shows just how big of an uphill battle they got. It does. And it also made the Zindi feel like a fully fleshed out civilization in a way that they haven't before. Uh-huh. Yeah, they... It. I want to learn more about the Zindi. They're, yeah. They're... It's a shame that we're probably never going to see them again in any Star Trek ever after the end of this season. But, you know... Who, well, we'll hold out hope that they'll show up in uh, something. In Discovery. Bring back the Zindi, you cowards. Bring back the Zindi. Um, Don't bring back Cybok. Bring back the Zindi. Bring back Cybok, too. <laughs> no! Cybok and the Zindi. Bring them all back. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, so I have sung Randy Oglesby's praises for quite some time and will continue to do so, but this was the first episode where Scott McDonald, under all of his reptilian makeup, has really stood out to me. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, um, he had a lot of layers of prosthetic to act through, and he really sold how nutty with power and ambition and religious zeal almost this mm-hmm. guy has gone it is religious zeal he he just got told by his god that uh he's gonna be that he's he's on a holy mission basically yeah it is and relig- he ain't gonna let anybody stand in his way nope it was pretty cool yeah um can i just, just a brief little aside possibly kind of into a minus but okay yes he was he was i thought he was doing a fantastic job acting there was one scene, I think one of his contacts was... His contact was, was crooked. I okay, had that on my list too, yes. So it his wasn't just me. Were, like, I, 
it, it did take me out of the moment, but once I kind of rolled with it, I thought it sort of added to his crazy look, and so I didn't mind it so much. But yeah, his contact was crooked. I would not mind if his character had, like, eyes that that had, you know, a non-vertical orientation. I wouldn't but either, but then, some, but then, from somebody, scene fixed, to scene. then somebody fixed it. Yeah. Like, you gotta just leave it that way. What the heck? Own his wacko eyes. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, no, he was great. Yeah. That's not his fault. No. So well done, sir. Very good. Um, also, I just in general liked learning more about the council members. Yeah. We got to know some of their names. We not did. just from the Memory Alpha Wiki. And we got to know some of their backgrounds. Yeah. Apparently one of the aquatic council members is like a bougie princess or something. Yeah. I do feel like both of us are really keeping the lid on the same minus right now but we'll let it out eventually oh i don't know i don't know anything um okay in the meantime i think we're on me i have just a list of two-man scenes here i yeah okay so there Go were ahead. The scenes between degra and tucker which were great there yep. were scenes between tucker uh not tucker um degra and archer Tucker and Phlox and Phlox's tapeworm. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the, <laughs> the, the scene of the episode, the centerpiece of the episode was Degra and I don't remember the reptilian guy's name. They gave him a name in this episode, but I yeah. don't remember it. Um, Degra and the reptilian guy in the council room where, rest in peace, Degra, you best guest star of the show. Ooh. I hope Jeffrey Combs is... Well, actually, I do hope Jeffrey Combs is listening to this podcast. Hi, Jeffrey. I hope you're listening. I, 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 that is my honest feeling. He is the best guest star of the show so far. All right. Or guest character, I guess I should say. I mean, honestly, he's I think a better, you're... He's a better character than many of the main cast. That's, yes, I agree. <laughs> um, no, actually, you're probably right. Like, Shran's great, but... And that yeah. was... That was Dinker's and... just been like... He's grow he grows on you every episode. Yeah, he really does. Then this was this was his best episode. And he got one heck of a cold death scene. Oh man. That Just was like, like Han- the- that was like Hamlet offing Polonius level cold. Mm-hmm. With I don't know, more. Just like as he's dying, he's getting told that his family's gonna be next. Yeah. That, uh, that was... And you know that family is the most important thing to him. Yeah, you know that his wife and kids are, like, the thing that has kept him going this entire time. So, ugh. Sorry you had to go out that way, dude. But, man, what a good scene. And you knew it was coming from the moment that the, um... The shadows that they put on his face when the reptilian guy walked into the room. Yeah, you knew this was... That was, like, chill up your spine kind of visual. You knew this was not going to end well for him was like, wow, Star Trek can do visual storytelling sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well done, Enterprise. You're learning. But here's the thing. You you missed one. I did? Yes. So uh, you did get the scene, correct, uh, between Degra and uh, I just magically, and not at all because I stopped the recording to look it up, remembered his name is Dolan. Okay. Dolim. Dolim. Yeah. Yeah. Which um, is a dumb name, but whatever. It is. But uh, the Dagger Dolim scene towards the end was phenomenal, the scene of the episode. But there was a scene early in the episode where they were uh, basically facing down in the council room. Yeah. I remember and that. It was real good. Yeah. The two of them played off each other really well. Dagger's story about 
how uh, Dolim poisoned his own grandson. Oh, yeah. Because he wasn't cut out for military service was a real good character establishing moment, too. Yeah. Oh, I like, just man, want to spend more time with Groot. I want to spend more time with his indie council. Yep, so do I. Um, Who's next? I think it's technically me, maybe. No, I'll, I'll take it because I, I piggybacked on yours there. That's fine. Um, I had not realized that the council chambers were an ancient avian um, construction. They're an ancient, an ancient avian construction, and also they're kind of an avian memorial, too, because they have that skull in there. Yeah? I mean, I assume the avians didn't put that there on purpose. I assume so as well. I mean, I thought the implication was that it was kind of like a little never forget memorial oh, yeah. type thing. I, th- I think so, but like... The the uh, presumably it was built by the avians. Yeah. Um, it was a, just a really cool setting. Yeah, it is. Um, and you know the council is there to uh, prevent anyone else from going the same way that the avians went. That's yeah. really cool. Which uh, that's as good a motivator as any. Um, speaking of that scene between Tucker and Phlox, which deserves its own uh, its own plus, and not just being part of a list. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the thing about the tapeworm helping Phlox lose weight was pretty funny. Yep. But the thing that really stood out to me was Tucker's line about how his anger had become like an old friend. Yes. Yeah. Good job, Manny Cotto. That was a swell line. It, but then Phlox's retort. You have other friends? Yeah. yeah. You have other friends that you've been forgetting about? Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. And like, it's... It's true. People can weirdly take comfort in their nasty emotions mm-hmm. if they sit with them for a really long time. And it was him acknowledging that he'd kind of been doing that and that it had been screwing with him in a bad way. And Phlox saying pretty much, well, there are people around here who can help you with that. Mm-hmm. He's such a good doctor. He is. Even if he doesn't understand privacy. Indeed. Though, to be fair, to be fair... He's been he has doing a been, good job keeping uh, T'Pol's He's been secret. keeping T'Pol's condition under wraps. Yeah. Okay. Um, all the the way that Archer introduced himself to the council. Well, what was that? Um, you killed seven million oh, my people. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie to you. I don't, I don't like being here. Yeah. It... It, from the Gravitas perspective, it was excellent. Um, and I think he, all in all, uh, Archer did a great job. Bacula did a great job. With he that did. Too. There was a lot of subversion of Star Trek tropes in this episode. Because had this been an original series episode, and Enterprise's goal in its early existence was to be the original series, um, Kirk would have given an inspiring speech and maybe read the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> And all the Zindi would have realized how wrong they were and how they just needed to sign up for the Federation immediately. But Archer's not Kirk anymore. Mm-hmm. Archer's been through a little too much to be Kirk, and he's uh, he's had to make a few too many compromises to be Kirk anymore. And he's he's turned into more of his own thing. And I like it. It's not always consistent, because this is still Enterprise. But <laughs> Yep. But the past several episodes have been really, re- really, really good Archer arc stuff. Mm-hmm. You're up. Oh, I am? Oh. Um, Hoshi did language stuff again for a change. Hooray! Yeah! Hoshi got to do a thing. 
I enjoyed the thing about how when aquatics use the past tense, they switched to sonar. <laughs> Even yeah. though that doesn't make any sense, it was funny. No, I, I mean, I don't know. You're the linguist. <laughs> no, I'm not. Well, you, you, you teach English. That doesn't make That's me a, a linguist. I don't know. You know more languages than I do. Okay. I can tell you about like the Greek and Latin roots of words, but I don't think the aquatic Zindi language has a whole lot of Greek or Latin roots. They have sonar roots. They have sonar roots, apparently. Yeah, that was cute. It was. And there are 67 dialects of the insectoid language. There are, yeah. That was fun. Uh, are, are okay, they, we're are on... they ever going to run up to the uh, language that's like easy? I don't know. The Paclid language? Yeah, it would probably be pretty easy. Anyway. Anyway, um, Travis got to be the hero. Oh, yeah, he did. I didn't realize that the uh, um, shuttle pods had real good phasers, but he got to be the hero. Yeah, good for, good for everybody that they did. Maybe that's been an update that they've given the shuttle pods recently, because I don't think it was that way at the beginning of the show. It, it makes sense to give the shuttle pods uh, heavier weaponry. They're on a major mission here. Yeah, it does. Uh, the music in the council room and also inside the sphere was really good. Hmm. Velton Ray Bunch is one of the better composers, despite his silly name. Cool. Yeah. It was, especially when Archer and Hoshi were walking into the council room, the music made it feel epic. And it, it, it should, because like I said, this has been built up for a long time. Yeah. The chase at the end. Like, yes, oh, yeah. I think that the weapon looks kind of dumb. It does. It, is it really necessary to have parts of it spinning all the time? It is not. Are, are those uh, doing something? Like, is, is that functional or is that just there to look cool? I think it's just there to look cool. Although, who knows? Yeah. You'd have to ask Degra since he designed it. Oh, wait. Ooh. Oh, too soon. I know. Too soon. I know. Anyway, it was cool. They did a really good job of giving it a sense of scale when it came out of its little hole in the planet because it was so much bigger than the surrounding ships. Mm-hmm. Well, better be big. It's, uh, it's got to go do the Death Star thing. Yeah, it does. And speaking of the Death Star thing, just another... I don't actually know how that was speaking of the Death Star thing, but another line that I really loved was Dolem's line to his associate after their meeting with the Guardians. If you question the Guardians again, your skin will adorn the bow of this ship. Just, ooh, what a bastard. Yeah, he's not a good, he's not a nice guy. No, he's not. And he, he really is, that's what he is. He's a religious fundamentalist. Yeah. That read of him makes so much sense. Um, I think I'm about done with yeah, these that's actually the, that's the end of my list um it was a pretty long list yeah shall we talk about the minuses sure this is not even a minus from this episode but it was the first freaking thing we saw when we turned the episode on so i'm gonna comment on it anyway crewman daniel's costume is stupid <laughs> that's from the previously on uh his, his suit looks like black rubbery genitalia, and I hate it. <laughs> I, I thought maybe he's like the evil version of the Michelin tire man. I guess, but... Uh, he just... 
it's not even from the Jake Sisko house of high fashion. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, it's a very bad costume. It is. And now that I have made that comparison, anybody who goes and looks at it isn't going to be able to unsee it. Uh, fair enough. So yeah, stupid, stupid costume. All right. Should I, I guess I should probably just talk about the big thing. You'll I... notice that almost all of our pluses were on the A plot. We didn't talk about the B plot. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it... I didn't mind the B-plot. It just didn't stand out all that much to me. I, I thought it... Yeah, but I, I thought it was just... It was so much weaker it than, was. than the A-plot. This is the one where uh, they go off to um, check out inside the sphere. I did... I, I, meant, I actually meant to put in my pluses list, and I did not read's comment on how many people they'd lost. So I did have that in my pluses list. But I wasn't sure whether I really thought it was a plus. No, I did think it was a plus. Um, I thought that, like, it was a good reminder of, number one, how small their crew is. And how yes. much of it they've already lost. Like he was saying, they've lost over a fifth of their people at this point. They have. And that starts to take a toll on you after a little while. Yep. And that was a moment, given the given the arc that they've been going through that actually did kind of feel earned. It felt like a little bit of a silly place to have it, but I was glad that they had that moment in there. Yeah. No, there's the, he lost another one and yeah, uh, he doesn't like it. Sorry, Mako, we've was... never seen before. I was pretty sure you were going to die the moment we, you showed up on screen. Oh, we have? Yeah, he's been in several episodes before. Has never, he done anything like... important? I don't remember. Okay. But he has been in several episodes. Sorry, Mako, who'd never really had lines before. I was pretty sure you were going to die when you showed up. Yeah. Um, Some things never change. Yeah, it was rough. Weird, dumb way to go, too. Really was. Getting evil grabbed, robot arm. grabbed by an evil robot arm. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, anyway, the first thing I'll, I'll comment about that, uh, about that storyline. To Paul... Just tell, tell them, them your plan. <laughs> tell them you're flying into a hologram. Tell them you're flying into a hologram. Don't make them all think you're going to crash into the sphere. Why are you doing that? That's not logical. No. That just... Very <laughs> illogical. Done. Indeed. Ugh. Okay, here's my kind of big overwhelming minus. So a lot of my pluses were, hey, look at all these interesting things that we learned about the Zindi and look at how cool and intriguing Zindi political culture turns out to be. Could y'all have done any of this a little bit earlier? Mm, I see. Because it felt like there was so much packed into this episode, we suddenly learned what the Zindi's relationship with the Guardians was. And we learned the history of how the Zindi Council came to be and how it's basically a memorial to the avian Zindi. I mean, and we... some of this, I think, makes sense to come up here. Um, but could any of these seeds have been planted before? Fair. Okay. Because it made some of... It made some moments that still had an impact because they were so well done, but it made some of them feel a little bit unearned. Mm-hmm. Because so much of this had never come up until now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... The thing that, that didn't like, come it up... It turns out that the Zindi are cool, and I distinctly remember at the beginning of the season thinking the Zindi were kind of grumpy and boring. Could you have started seeding that really a lot earlier? Fair enough. So that we didn't have to deal with all the stupid crap at the beginning of the season. 
Mm-hmm. Make the entire season good, not just the end. So, um, the thing that I was bothered that they didn't bring up earlier, apparently the, uh, uh, the Guardians showed a visual representation of Earth destroying the New Zindi homeworld. Um, and that this was very compelling evidence for everyone. Given, given how much they talk about evidence, and they talk about evidence in a very, like, almost, almost like video gamey way. Like, the same way you collect rupees, yeah. you collect evidence. <laughs> and if you get enough evidence, then you can trade it in for one council member or something like that. Like, also, that, that would have been, that must have been one heck of a TV show that the Guardian showed them, because, uh... yeah. Well, I mean, there there were other factors. It didn't occur to any of them who are all convinced that uh, Archer has faked all of his data and stuff, that the Guardians could be faking stuff too. But I guess that's what happens when you're religious fundamentalists. Yeah, but I mean, anyway, like, they're, aside from how they keep using the term evidence just generically for all sorts of things, um, they never mentioned this before. They, they had not. It like, was one of as the far many as, things As they far had. as I knew before, all they had was... She said so. Just like this entire conflict and the reason we're all here in the first place makes so much more sense when you realize that the Zindi have basically been told that this is what they need to do by their gods. But also, and, you know, uh, writers on Star Trek Picard, I am very sad that you chose the I saw a visual representation of planet being destroyed as a uh, motivation for me to go do crazy, violent things. But um, I don't remember where I'm going. Well, it was not without precedent, but that doesn't make it good. Yeah, no, it was bad. Like, come on. Uh, Learn from your own it, past characters. Also, mistakes. just like, yeah, just, I, I feel like this is something that should have been brought up before. It is. Speaking of the gods, the guardian gods... Uh-huh. For a for a space thing built by gods, or at least like aliens with the powers of gods, their spheres have really crap security. They do. I I was assuming a robot arm is the best you all can do. I was giving them the benefit of the doubt. Like these spheres are pretty old, right? Yeah. Presumably, these spheres are so old that they they go back to before. Uh, but come on, y'all gotta Zindi do were spacefaring. Y'all gotta do updates every so often, right? I I guess it's just it's hard for them to do updates because they can't exist in our space. I guess. Like I actually thought the scene where the robot arm first starts to emerge from the wall was kind of cool because we couldn't tell what it was yet, and I assumed it was some kind of really big gun. Mm-hmm. And then it turned out to be a robot arm that can electrocute one person at a time. And just kind of sits there ineffectually while Malcolm Reed is shooting at it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just like occasionally get somebody to do some updates on your security system. Yeah, like it, it, it's weird. Like I get it to an extent. You can't actually physically travel to where the spheres are because space isn't proper for you. Um, but at the same time, like... Maybe before you put them in there, you should have uh, you given have that done something. Given that they have godlike powers, they could have put in a better early security system. Yeah, they like, should have when, had when the things... foresight to realize that eventually they would need it. 
when things start going in through your exhaust ports, like, you got to check that. Yeah, like, that seems that's, bad. That, that, that should trigger something more than a single robot arm. Yes. Um, and on that note, uh, the explosions from uh, Travis shooting it looks really bad. Yes, they did. That was, that was some of the weaker CG. Yeah. Um, my final one is not a minus so much as a question from Degra's story about uh, Dolem and his family, where he said, Dolem's daughter gave birth to a son, and my thought was, they're reptilians. Don't they lay eggs? I can't remember whether those were reptilian or insectoid eggs that Archer became a mommy to briefly. But either way... I believe those were the... I think... Um, I don't remember, actually. Either way, eggs. Yeah, eggs. You're still giving birth to an egg that has a, a, a baby in it. I mean, not really. You lay the eggs and then the eggs hatch. But there's a baby inside the egg that's growing. Whatever. It was weird terminology. I... They, they forgot that they were reptiles. Okay. So my last uh, minus here, uh, well, no, no, before that, very briefly, yes, I appreciate them, them uh, recognizing the heavy loss of life on the ship, mm-hmm. but read your, so it's the 22nd century and a 20% casualty rate is still considered acceptable. So you would have been cool with it if 15 people had died. It was an but odd you're not way cool with of it phrasing now? it. Yeah, that was, that was a little weird to me. Um, anyway, the the bigger thing is, what weren't they just at the location of the weapon? Where the weapon was being finished? And then they traveled a great distance. So great a distance that they had to use um, some sort of weird space conduit to get there. Yep. In time. And then the weapon launches and they're right there? I was yeah. confused by that. Now that you I, mentioned it, that is a little confusing. I Yeah. Are, are the council... Was the weapon transported to the council planet? I guess it if must so, have been because it wasn't underwater anymore. It had its own little chamber. Yeah, that was very strange. So, so while they were doing all that other stuff, it was... Transferred from the water planet to the to the bird planet and not and and like no I one guess. no one uh, was worried about that. And I feel like they also could have handled this pretty well by revealing that the one on the water planet had been a decoy. Yeah, maybe I don't know if you want to add that additional. Wrinkle. It would have made it make more sense. Yeah. The visual was really cool, so I didn't mind all that much, but you are correct that it's confusing. Yeah, I, I I just, I had a weird sense of where things are at that point. And yes. Why they were there. They were doing Game of Thrones style teleportation. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a slight problem. It's all come full circle. Oh, another thing that is on neither my plus or minus list, but I am pleased to learn that passing notes in class has made a comeback in the 22nd century. <laughs> Uh, do wait? Do your students not pass notes in class? No, they text each other. Oh gosh. Okay. Fair. They text. They text and snap and and TikTok and whatever else the youths do these days. But they don't pass actual paper notes. Yeah, I'm glad they're coming back to that. Yeah. 
good to know that that's where we'll be. Yeah. It is as God intended. <laughs> All right. I think that's uh, that about wraps that up, right? Yeah, it does. All right. That means we have some awards to give out. So for the Mayweather report, it was probably Mayweather. Yeah, I think so. It it was going to be he Hoshi. Didn't even, he didn't even get to go on the Spear mission. It was going to be no, Hoshi. He was, and... he, he was on the... Uh... He, he, didn't get the... to, he didn't get to go in the sphere, is what I mean. He was in the sphere inside the shuttle pod. He shot the robot arm. He did, I guess, but he mostly got to sit there while everybody else yeah, he walked was most, around. Yeah, to he mostly stayed, stayed in the car, keep the car running. Um, but, but yeah, it was going to be Hoshi, but she's been kidnapped. Yeah, yeah. That, that little thing at the end, that. Uh... They're going to be really disappointed when they discover that she's dead. Oh, right. She has been dead for most of the season. Yeah, they kidnapped a ghost. Or a clone or a Cylon or a robot or... Something um, like that. Something. That's going to be an interesting wrinkle when they figure that out. Yeah. Or maybe uh, this joke is kind of getting old. It is. So yeah, it's Mayweather, but uh, he wasn't actually that marginalized this episode. No, this is a really ensemble episode. It was. Good job, show. Show, many of your best episodes are ensemble episodes. Please take note. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we have a Kirk Award to give out. Every show, we bestow the James Tiberius Kirk Award on the character who spends the episode keeping the Star Trek legacy alive by doing the best William Shatner impersonation. I think Archer can just have it. I thought about Degra. I did too, but Degra's his own thing. Yeah. Archer's kind of his own thing too, but whatever. It's still his job to be the big hero. Yeah. And I think he 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 filled the the Kirk role. He did. This is the kind of this is the kind of role that Kirk played in the best original series material. So. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can have it, bud. All right, sounds good. All right, is that a wrap? That's a wrap. All righty, then as always, thank you for listening. If you are enjoying this, please tell all your friends and family to join the crew. If you're really enjoying this, please consider leaving us a rating, review, or signing up for a subscription on the podcast platform of your choice. If you would like to tell us how we have brightened your day, send us some ideas for the show, or if you're an angry listener from Cleveland who would like to tell us about how Cleveland <laughs> is not that bad, shoot us an email at at least there's a dog at gmail.com. And if you are watching along with us, your next viewing assignment is the episode Countdown. Very suspenseful. Take care of yourselves, and until next time, remember to go wherever your heart will take you. Bye. Bye. Testing, testing, testing. There's it goes. Okay, Look I was... at the baby. Oh, he is a pretty grid baby. He's so sleeping. Yes, he He's is. He's got such a cute face. Yes, but but we have a podcast. And there's a Trudy. Oh dear. She's good too. She has ears. You're you're really not not ready for a sound test, are you? What? All right here. <laughs> Talk like you're going to talk on the podcast. I am. I'm going to talk about Trudy. Oh, shush.
I'm going to talk about Archer. Archer's so good. He has ears. <laughs> That's what I'd say about Porthos, dear, not Archer. Does Archer have ears? 